in Jesus. I mean, that's the reason we do this. That should be the reason you do it, is to please Jesus, to live the way he would have you live, to imitate Christ. I mean, if those have been your motives, you are still under the curse and a slave to the world's pleasures. That's the truth. If you're still pursuing Christ out of false motives, out of motives that don't matter, like these guys, you're still under the curse of the law. You're still a slave to the world's pleasures. I tell you, the Christian life is better. I hope you can testify with me that that is true. Not for what you gain or experience in this life. Let me make that clear. It's better, but it's not for anything we get here. It's for what we get in the next life. It's better mainly because it's true. It's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Christian life is better because it's true. You remember your separation from God because of your sins. And you remember that you believed in Jesus as the only way your sins could be, be forgiven. And that comfort, that truth, makes this life a lot better. It gives us peace in our soul. But like I said, it can also be a hard life. It may cost you friends. And it has me. It may cost you positions. I've experienced that. It may cost you wealth, status, even comfort. It may cost you even your own life to follow Christ. There are many stories about that happening. But the one thing I can tell you is it'll be worth it. It will be worth it. And that truth alone feeds our soul and keeps us on track. It keeps us a born-again soul to, as Paul said, press on toward the goal, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. So make sure you're pursuing Christ with the right motive. And the right motive is Jesus. What he's commanded, what he's done, what he said, he saved you. And that is all that matters. Pursue Christ. Because he saved your soul, you can pursue his purposes for life. And that's what Paul gets to next. Pursuing the only new creation life. Verses 14 through 18. Let me read those to you again. But as for me, this is Paul. I don't know whether he's still writing or if he just wrote that one verse, but he's, he's definitely making an emphasis by the way he started this. But he says, but as for me... I will never, strong words, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And amen. See, Paul's providing a contrast to those previous verses we just talked about. His boasting is in the cross of Jesus Christ alone. Nothing else he does. 
does he want any credit for or any honor for? He finds no other compelling reason to boast in anything but his Savior. His Savior is the only focus he has. Nothing compels him to brag about how many churches he's planted, how many souls got saved at his crusades, none of that. So why just Jesus? Well, here's why. Paul's human nature, his desire for those other motives that we just talked about, is dead to him. Those desires are dead. On the cross, Paul's worldly pursuits were killed. And his desire for those worldly pursuits died as well. On the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul's life was changed. So that he, the world does not see him even as a participant in their stuff anymore. And why is that? Because the only thing that matters is the new creation. The new creation produced by Christ. Not Jewish customs and not even Gentile customs. See, Paul's not saying, oh, I'm pro-Gentile now and I'm, I'm anti-Jewish. He's saying it's neither one. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. I mean, even the act of just living opposite Judaism is not Paul's point. Why? Because peace and mercy comes to the soul who seeks to be a new creation in life. Paul says that in the verse. If you're following this standard, this rule of a new creation is the only thing that matters, peace and mercy to you because you will find peace and mercy at the foot of the cross. Paul wishes these eternal and supernatural blessings on the Israel of God. Now, I know that's kind of an odd phrase and it's the only place in the Bible that it exists, but it's truth. So we need to talk about it a little bit. Who is that? The Israel of God. Well, I believe, and I think Scripture teaches, and the, and the context of this book bears out, that this is not the nation of Israel that we know today that was formed in 1947. It's not, just eth it's not ethnic Israel or ethnic Jews. It's not just people that are Jewish descent or Jewish connection. It is those who have become Abraham's children by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's made that clear earlier in this book, and he makes it clear in other books. See, the word Israel was given, the name was given to Jacob. When? After he wrestled with God. Israel means to strive with God, or he who strives with God. It also means God strives. God fights. God wrestles. And we need to understand this, that God strived to save our souls with his son, Jesus Christ. That's why we are. The church of Jesus Christ is the Israel of God. It's not a political nation. It's not an ethnic group. It's born-again believers. New creations are the Israel of God now. Now, a, a momentary parenthetical political thing. Am I for America supporting Israel? Absolutely. But not for any spiritual reason, but because it's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But it has no spiritual implications whatsoever to us. We are the Israel of God. We are the people of God, born of faith. We are the children of Abraham. That makes us the Israel of God. And finally, Paul asked that those of the church to stop troubling him. <laughs> stop questioning his gospel. Stop questioning his apostleship. Stop questioning his ministry and his preaching. Please stop. 
I mean, he's just telling them, stop bothering me about this. Why? Because he bears on his body the marks of those very things that he's defending. He was persecuted in all the churches of Galatia. Go read Acts, the first missionary trip, somewhere around Acts 13, 14. He was beaten in the town of Lystra. And then he was drug outside the town and stoned so much that they thought he was dead. The man bears the marks, the scars, the bruises, even the spiritual scars he bears for his apostleship, for the cause of the cross, the only thing he's going to brag about. See, these churches he's writing to, they know he suffered. They saw it. Because after he was stoned and left for dead in Lystra, he got up, because he wasn't dead, and walked back into the town. Anybody want to go do that? I don't. I would be walking the other way. But Paul, he had the marks on his body for that. They can testify to the truth of that, that he is who he says he is. He's been given the mission he's been given. His word is truth. And then he gives his final word to them, grace. This is not social grace. This is not physical grace. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The grace that saves, the grace that makes any of us a new creation. We have no power within ourselves to make ourselves a new creation. Only the grace of God can do that. For by grace are you saved. He plants the Spirit in our spirit by grace. And He will see us through those who believe to eternity. As Paul says, amen, which is just a Greek word that means truly. Truly. The new creation really only has one choice of how to live. One choice. And it's for Christ. I want you to see where Paul digs deeper into this. Turn over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 with verse 14. I'm going to read this to you. It's 14 through 21. You know, usually there's more ways to do something than one way. There's more way to skin a cow. There's more than one way to bake a cake. There's more than one way to change a tire. There's more than one way to plant a garden. Some ways don't work, but some of them do. But there is only one way to live the Christian life, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. Crucified to the world. Crucified to the world. And the world to us, we're not going to be enticed by what they give us. They're crucified to us, we're crucified to it. That's the only way we're supposed to live. And here's why. Paul explains this. 2 Corinthians 5. Follow along as I read from verse 14. For the love of Christ, <laughs> the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, <laughs> I love therefores, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Oh, the old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's what new creations do. Do you see what you're called to do here? I mean, as a new creation, one who has divorced from the world, that's another way to put this, divorced from the world, you are meant to carry the message that changed you. That's what we're meant to do. Carry that message to you. The love of Christ compels us, or we're not new creations if it's not compelling us. If we're not loving others enough to carry the message to them, we're not new creations. We may think we are. We should be living for Christ who died for us. Paul says here in 2 Corinthians, we have been saved from the worldly perspective to carry a message of reconciliation. See, everybody wants to be reconciled to some deity. They have that desire in them. They know that there's something wrong and right, and they know that, whether they admit it or not. And in this world, it's hard to tell sometimes. But they know there's right and wrong. We have the message of reconciliation from God Almighty that we're supposed to be taking. So Paul says we are pleading. Are you pleading? Are you pleading on behalf of God for people to be reconciled to God? That's what we're all supposed to be doing, pleading. That is why Christ came to make us righteous messengers. See, you don't have to convince anybody. That's not your job. But plead with them to trust Christ. Tell them the gospel. Talk to them about where they're going to spend eternity. Because it's a real problem. See, when we became disciples of Christ at our conversion, we were commissioned to reach the world. We're we're commissioned to reach into the culture of this world and pull out people and make them disciples. That's what the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is all about. Reaching into this world, pulling out people and making them disciples. That's what the whole point of who's your one that we've been doing for a couple of years now. We reach into this world with only one message, one message, the gospel. That forgiveness from God is available by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's the the message we have. And this is the only life we are called to as new creations. Now, don't run out of here and think I'm saying everybody's got to go be a missionary or a preacher or whatever, because that's not what I'm saying. Wherever God has put you, whatever your vocation is, wherever you have been planted geographically, vocationally, by God, you need to be telling people. That's, where you're, that's your pleading spot. Plead with them around you. There are plenty around you. that there, There's some that think they're believers, but they have not heard the true gospel. They haven't heard that it's by faith, not by church role, not by attending church, none of that. This is the only life we're called to live. And Christ says he'll be with us to the end as we do this. And that is when our faith is made sight. Are you ready to give your all to Jesus?
So let me sum up a little bit here as I close. Paul tells the Galatians, either live with wrong motives and be lost, or choose to live the only life a new creation can live. That's our choice too. You remember at the beginning I said something about how the Southern Baptist Convention meeting, there was good and bad, and, but that that one main theme kind of ran through the whole uh, three or four days? Well, it's the gospel. That has been the mission of this denomination for 175 years. Actually, 176 years now. But it didn't come cheap. That's what new creations do. They give it away. They see it as nothing. They count it as nothing. Believer, what has your new creation life cost you? If you make Jesus the main thing and don't look back, you'll never regret it. If you're tired of chasing the world's idea of freedom, the world's idea of good, the world's idea of promise and hope, you can change teams. You can change teams right now by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith that, that says with conviction, I trust you, Jesus, your death, your burial, your resurrection for eternal life, for forgiveness. And then you repent. You get rid of all the stuff that you're hanging on to. You put it behind you. And you look only to the cross of Christ. You look only to being a life that's created new that lives differently. You trust Jesus. Let's pray. Father, it is, it is hard to fathom such a change of our lives that we would give whatever it costs to take the gospel to someone. And, and we know that these missionaries who have lost their life in the 175 years they don't regret a minute of it. They don't regret one bit of pain or agony or suffering because it was for your glory and your glory has redeemed them and made it worth it. May we have that heart this morning, Father. May all of us cling to the desire to live a new creation life, a life that is fully, 100% committed to obeying our Savior and taking his message to those who need it. Forgive us, Father, for where we have failed to do that. Forgive us for the opportunities that we have ignored, found too inconvenient, or just plain disobeyed. Forgive us, Father, for we have sinned. And may we do better. May we seek to give our lives to you in full submission. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus.